The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we're here to take your questions about mental health field or any other question along these lines. I'd like to discuss a little bit the concept of anger. And let's understand over here this concept. And anger is an interesting theory. Because what does anger mean? Anger means that my emotions got triggered that strong that when I am feeling something, that I lose my logic. Right now, the emotions got clicked. Right now, the emotions got very triggered. And that is the focus and that is the point I'd like to discuss. Anger happens and it can happen to anyone that is from the smartest of people out there. Anger is someone that can happen to someone that's not that smart. Anger can happen to a person that's very calm. Anger is an emotion that when we get triggered, when it gets built up, we can react in ways that are not us. And therefore what happens is sometimes we can feel regret. We can act in ways that will harm us and sometimes unfortunately even in ways that from that anger that can affect us forever. And what happened when we get angry, that logical part, the same, where we get to see an entire theory and concept doesn't work. And we get stuck and we get focused on, on one area. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Anything about the concept you'd like to share, discuss, or ask a question around the area of anger, how to deal with it, some management tools and steps we're going to do. And as well, I'm going to share with you one or two questions that I've received on my phone line where people were asking questions about anger and along those lines. So again, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. So let's go ahead and now address this concept. When we get angry, that means there are several reasons that can cause us to get angry. Number one is when things aren't going our way, which means we had an expectation. And when we make expectations, unfortunately, when we don't plan for the other side as well, means when someone does a financial investment, investment means you see the positive, the pros, the potential in making money. And at the same time, you also see the negative that I can lose money. If someone, step one, invests or does something and doesn't see the negative, but then they get affected by the negative, then... Are, one of the tools that our brains uses is anger. So that is one step. Again, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Then there is a second point I'd like to discuss when anger builds up, and that's where I feel it affects most of us. That is, when we have a huge amount of stress, our mind is juggling so many things, so many points, what happens is we lose the balls so imagine someone's learning to juggle or they learn how to juggle with three balls but now someone throws in a fourth ball you know what usually happens we usually end up dropping all four balls not only the new ball that came but the three balls that we were also juggling pretty well and i find that is what's happening in our lives a lot we are juggling so many different roles and so many different points and that all of a sudden when the fourth ball comes in something more than we can handle we lose it and then we drop everything. So understanding it, identifying what are the causes for anger are first step one and how to deal with it. We're going to take a question and then we're going to be going back to some more tools and some more tips. We're going to go to Adina on line one. Hi Adina, you're on the air with Mordechai. 
Yes, how should you react to someone who just gets angry? Um, just hold on a second. It's, I'm sorry, just the speaker system over here is not working. I'm not hearing you at all. Um, just uh, try talking again, please. How should you react to someone who gets angry and then starts screaming at you? And I'm going to ask you if you can say it just one more time for whatever reason this. How, do How you should deal? you react to someone who gets really angry and starts screaming at you? How do you deal when someone's angry and they're screaming at you? Aaron, is this, our, is this what the radio's hearing or is this uh, just our speakers? Oh, all right. So I'm sorry, one more time. So for those of you listening on the radio, your speaker system that you're hearing, it sounds as clear to me. It is extremely um, not. Say that again. How should you react to someone who starts getting angry and starts screaming at you? All right, I'll tell you what. You stay on the line. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about um, a little bit more about anger and some tips and tools that we can do. And we're going to be working out this little glitch over here while I, while we work on it. Um, the number to call in for your question or comment, and especially the focus that we're having over here, is about anger. The number is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Good. Let's go ahead. So we've discussed two reasons so far why anger can come. Reason number one that can cause anger is when things don't go our way. Reason number two that can happen is when we're juggling too much and we get overwhelmed. There are different emotions that we can, the way we can deal with things. Anger is one of the main ways, unfortunately, one of the ways that men deal with, with that emotion is they deal with anger. Another point with anger is when we feel we're losing control, which means... It's almost an animalistic instinct that when we want something to go our way or things are going our way, we're comfortable. But then all of a sudden, when it's not going our way, force, sheer force, a lion will roar and scare the person into doing what it is that they want to be done. What happens is yelling, screaming is also a way to get things done. The problem is it's not done in a healthy way. The problem is it's going to have bigger consequences later on than right now. But there is immediate results when someone unfortunately yells or when someone unfortunately screams and that's why people are that's some for whatever reason why people are doing it so these are three of the reasons that sometimes affect why people are actually yelling screaming why they get into anger there are some other ways which can also be if we're going through physical or uh, mental pain unfortunately sometimes when people are physically not well or there's a huge trauma going on Sometimes the person will resort to certain emotions and anger is one of them. So when there's a trauma going on or when people are physically not well, they're in the hospital, they can sometimes become nasty, they can sometimes be very angry. And the reason is just because it's pain talking and that emotion of anger is the only way that they can share, is the only way that they can give it out. So we've mentioned a couple of points about anger. How do you deal with anger? One of the main tools that people that are angry try to use that actually doesn't work, that only causes it to get worse, and that is swallowing, bottling it up. You see that seething, those teeth are shut, you see those eyes are like ready to shoot, and what they are feeling is they think, I'm calm, no one can tell. And is that accurate? Absolutely not. You can tell that they're angry. You can see that they're angry. Everyone sees it. Everyone knows it but themselves because the brain, our brain, can distort that reality. 
that is one of the things that our brain does and it's a tool that we try to help ourselves that we think it works but it really 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 doesn't um we're going to again just to get the numbers going the number to ask your question or comment about anger management about people you know that are angry what are tools that you can do how we can help it the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. Okay. Um, let's go into some tools. So what does work for anger? And it's going to be very interesting. But one of the simplest tools, and this has to be done in the right way, and it's really simple, and that is, guess what? communication when you talk when you share your feelings when you say i'm feeling hurt about something i'm feeling angry about something and we'll explain in a minute why it's tricky but when you can do that that's when you got it clear that's when you got yourself focused and after you verbalize it ah i feel so much better i feel like a different person all because of this feeling emotions especially anger needs to be communicated needs to be given out and then the tool what people do sometimes if you can't verbalize it or if it'll come out too unhealthy then what that tool is you actually just write it down but if we can recognize that the tool for anger is communication discussing it verbalizing it not keeping it in that is the one of the big tools now here is where the danger what happens to anger <clears throat> Since we discussed one of the main tools that people that are angry, what they try to do is they try to suppress it, they try to bury it, they try to keep it within themselves. When they are ready to talk, it's not because they're ready to talk. When they're ready to communicate their feelings to another person, it's not when the other person is ready to communicate it. It's right now. I can't keep it in. I am going to explode. And then when you explode, you don't feel better because, yes, the anger emotion leaves, but the guilt emotion then comes in, or that there isn't since the other person couldn't accept the communication because it wasn't communicated. It was just a shooting of emotions. And what happens then is the person has no idea what you're talking about. So instead of their responding to the issue, they're going to be responding to being attacked. They're going to be responding to that huge tidal wave of emotion. Now all logic of that person's response was also thrown out. Which means that once this happens, that you let out an emotion of anger, not at the healthy time, not at the appropriate method, what will happen is instead of having positive communication, instead of working out the issue, what we have now is a whole bunch of people shooting their emotions and needing to balance it. That's all that's important. So let's understand this concept. Now, again, the number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Wonderful. Now, I'd like to share with you a question that I've had from my phone line. And the question goes as follows. I'm married to a person that yells a lot. When I try explaining it to him, and that was sort of the question, when I try explaining to my husband that he's yelling, he denies it. He thinks this is very normal. He feels this is appropriate behavior. How do I do? How do I help him recognize what he's doing? And this was the basic question. Let's understand what's happening. You know, let's try again the speaker. Um, let's go ahead. We've got online, we've got over here online one mayor. Mayor, you're on the air with Mordechai and we're giving a shot to speakers again. 
Yeah, hi, do you hear me? Ah, wonderful, loud and clear, Baruch Hashem. We got Shmack, it yeah, it was definitely your side of the line. Okay. Okay, the question is, um, you know, you're saying that, you know, people tend to keep it inside, and that's exactly my question. I have a friend, you know, I know you definitely has sadness, but a lot of anger inside of him, and I tried, to, you know, to get him to talk about it, and he just won't express it, he won't open up, you know? And I ask him why, and he says, because he just doesn't feel that, I'll be able to solve his problem, and he just doesn't want to talk about it at all. That's right. He doesn't express it in any way. He just keeps it bottled up inside. Yes. So how do I get him to open up? All right. So the first step, and that's where in therapy there are different modalities. One of the modalities, one of the methods that's the most famous one practically used there today is called cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive means we explain, we give information, or we challenge certain thoughts and certain beliefs. So his belief is that if I discuss an issue, in order for it to get better, it must be changed, right? So if someone has got an illness and there is no cure for it, based on his theory, that person will now be angry, will now be depressed, and there is no way to, to change it because that's a reality. Or if someone wanted his father should be a Rosh Hashiva or his father to be a millionaire, and since that's not the case, based on his perception... Since the situation cannot be changed, there are physical things in this world that cannot be changed. According to him, he stays stuck in that, correct? Mm -hmm. And once he starts hearing this theory, oh, no, you're right, maybe I could feel happy, maybe I can find other reasons why I should feel happy, even though the situation is this way, that is a discussion you're going to want to have with him. So you might want to explain to him the theory that we sort of do is there's something called feelings and there's something called logic and then there's something reality. Many times our feelings and our logic have two different programs. Which means feelings do not have to be changed. Reality doesn't have to be changed for you to feel different. So after you cry, after you discuss it, your feeling is different. Now there's a separate issue where we might need to deal with reality. We, we might have to come up with solutions. And you want to try to explain to him this concept saying, you're so locked, you're so trapped, you've got to open up to share the feelings. And you can even tell him, let's give it a shot. Try sharing right. something. I, I don't even see that interest. You know what I mean? I even like even says sometimes like I don't care. You know, I don't even care to change it. But I know a, he does. You know, there's a pretty famous question joke as they go. How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah. Do you know the answer? Nope. One. The light bulb just has to want to change. Right. The yep. first step in therapy, by the way, that I remember you asked the last. He question. wants to have to help himself. That's right. And otherwise, you just can't do anything about it. Our job is not to help people that don't want to get help. The step is when someone wants to get listen, help. Listen, it's a close friend of mine, and I want to help him. <laughs> All right, then you tell him that. You could tell him, listen here, my friend. We're close friends, and I'm just going to tell you what I see. you got an issue. you got an anger issue. You keep things in. You're not sharing emotions. And everyone can see it but you and know that I'm available or find someone to talk to. No, he recognizes it. That's what I'm It's not only anger, it's also sadness, you know. Good, so let's go. So if he recognizes and you tell him, let's, put, let's assume his name is Chaim. Chaim, why don't you tell me what's on your heart? What would he say? He would say, he would say I'm sad and ain't, you know. Good, and, and now... There would end there. Now, and now the next there. step is, all right, so the step would be, Chaim, are you ready to open up feelings? I could see you're sad and I'm a, be- I'm a very good friend of yours or your best friend. And let's try to get you to open up. And he says, nope, I'm a closed book. And then you would ask him why you a closed book? Um, yeah, I asked him that, and he yeah. says, I think he said he doesn't, you know, he doesn't think it could be changed, and also he said he doesn't care. Okay. And I said, why would you want to be sad and angry? He said, I don't care. 
So let's also realize it's very possible that some of the issues that are bothering him are very private. Or he doesn't feel comfortable. And one of the ways that guys tune out or they do it is they say, I don't care. But really they do. And they might not feel that you're able to deal with it. A. B. They might feel it's too private and they'll really be embarrassed if they share it with you. So I know, you know, some of the basic information, you know, family, you know, divorce. And my friend, like I'm a therapist over here. The things that you hear and that people keep in their chest and secrets that keep growing and get stronger, we really don't know what's going on. And maybe the next step then should be to speak to the Rosh Hashiva, someone in Nanhala, or someone, or maybe have two, three friends telling him, you got to open up. Just today from the phone line, someone sent me a question, which of course I'm not going to address because it's not even for the phone line. It's a real, real private issue. And I go, I'm not, this is not an issue that I'm going to discuss. So therefore I responded that they need a therapist. Two weeks later, they just got back to me today. Okay, they'll find a therapist. How do you, where do they go to about it? There are certain topics that these people, they tried try talking to a teacher, but the teacher wasn't getting the hint, or the teacher sort of said something like sort of shut them up, that they right. said, okay, we got to turn to someone. It's very possible that he might have gone through some traumas. He might be having certain thoughts or feelings he feels you can't handle. What happens if someone says, you know something, I really don't know if I want to stay alive. You're not ready to deal with it. You wouldn't know how to deal with it. He doesn't even feel safe sharing that. So right. that's many see, times. The problem is I'm the only person that you know, I'm, he's open to the most. You know, he won't go and speak to somebody professional or anyone in the house. I, I, I feel like I need to be equipped, you know, to deal with Impossible, it. Impossible, my friend. If he's that close, you want to jump into a, into a lake full of alligators and snakes. It takes years <laughs> of experience. Therapy is not as right. people think. I always have a saying. Someone tells me, you know, I think I'm <laughs> great for therapy. I go, why? why as a therapist, I go, why? Because I have Bachram and I open them up and I get everything from them. I go, wow, that's fantastic. But All one question. <laughs> what? All the dirty laundry. Yeah, but I asked him one thing. But before you sent them out, did you close it up? You yeah. know, so many times when you do surgery, it's not only about opening up the it's person. The it's, it's Now, is the wound clean? Many right. times in therapy, I can hear things from what the person saying, where they're going at. And I could look at the time. we got 10 minutes left. And this is a full hour. I go, let's not go there. I think I know what you're saying. Let's leave it for next time. Or sometimes I go, let's wait another four sessions till we address it because... These emotions, I don't know how you'll be able to handle that. And if it's right, buried, right. you got to... The joke, the trick is not just being close and having a guy open up. The trick in therapy is to recognize how much, how far, see the warning signs that you see, and not to walk onto a minefield right away. you got to clear out the minds first. Right. And if your friend is so locked, so closed, I wonder what's going on over there. And I'm not sh- quite sure that that is somewhere where you should start or at least help out when a guy is so closed. Find other things to appreciate with this friend, but with what you're describing, my real recommendation is don't start unless you got a therapist or someone trained guiding you who you can run by your questions if things happen. And even then, if the guy doesn't want, it's still not your business to do it. Your friendship is not based on the hospital. Your friendship is based on you guys having a mutual understanding, mutual likes, and people... Huh? The problem is most of it does because he's younger than me, you know what I mean? It's kind of like respect and helping him. Well, then you've taken, then your friendship is based on therapy, is based on helping someone, and he doesn't want to be helped in those areas. So now, based on mentoring him, so help him learn better. Don't go into an emotional places if you're not ready to deal with him, if you don't even know what you're getting into. Right. Can I, can I have, like, your number to reach you off the line? Um, that's, unfortunately, I get a huge amount of phone calls a day, and it's practically impossible. So, usually the way to do it is through here, or leave a question for the phone line, but, like, if it's needed for stuff like that, you know, it's... Unfortunately, at this time, you know, by it's just not possible right now. Okay, fine. 
All right, thanks for your time. You're welcome. If you'd like, you can always send me a question to either call up over here or to the phone line, which is, I mean, to my phone line, that number is 718-298-2011. That's 718-298-2011. Thanks, Mayor, for calling in. I appreciate and continue being a great guy, and I happen to hear a very strong therapist in the making. So, Hatzlach and Siyata Deshmai, wherever the Rabbi Shalom should take you. Um, we're going to go to line three. We're going to go to Miriam. And again, the topic that we're discussing today, you can take any of your questions, but it's more about anger management and about anger issues and how it affects people when people are locked. So actually, we're going to go to line two. We're going to Ruchi on line two. You're on the air with Mordechai. And for those of you that would like the number to call and to ask your question or for your comment, is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Ruchi, you're on the air. Hello? Yeah, do you hear me? Yes, I hear you loud and clear now. Yes, um, I'm a teacher in the school, fifth grade, and I have a student that... You said first or fifth? One or five? I wasn't sure if you said fifth or first. Fifth, fifth, five. Okay. Uh, I have a student that if 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 let's say she does something wrong and I will discipline her, she's going to react in anger. Yes. She'll blow up. Yes. She can't handle being told that this is not appropriate. Yes. How do I deal with such a thing? Let's first give, take a step back. If the, she's in fifth grade, where she's about 11, 12, how old is she? Yeah, about 11. Okay. Is she, first of all, one of the leaders in the class? Is she a quieter person, louder person? She used to be very quiet, but she started manipulating some girls, like to do things with her, kind of like a bit in the bullying um, category, I would yes. say. And. She started, like, having the rest of the girls, like, look up to her for misbehavior, you know, and misdemeanors that she does, or she'll, like, lash out and something that, like, she, like, made the girls think that, oh, this makes life spicy and exciting. Okay. So, one of the first... And I think the girls are afraid of her, like, to stand up against her. So, before we deal with the second part of, let's say, the bullying part, what you can do as a teacher, um, the first step is now how to help someone or a girl... When you tell her something and she takes it very personal, the first it's not. I'll give you. I'll give you an example. Let's say um, she was talking during a test. Standard procedure is to bring up her test. I told her to bring up her test. So then, when the bell rings five minutes later, she barred my exit from the classroom. She would not let me leave. She would block the door. And I said, "Excuse me." And she, I said, "Excuse me." Um, you know, you have to be mature about this. Now. So then she said, she tells me, "You too. You also have to be mature about it." And she walked away. She looked, it's, uh, she does like irrational stuff. If you if you discipline her just in a regular disciplinary way. Okay. Um, the number to call in first, for those of you listening, you're listening to your host Mordechai Weinberger LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger LCSW. And with the program, let's grow together. Um, you can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop and on Yeshiva World, and of course on JRatRadio.com. And you can call in to ask your question at seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight. That's seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. And the, the topic that we're discussing today, but you can pick anyone that you would like to ask your question about, is about anger management and how to deal with that. So now we're going back over here. Your question is a lot more than just her behavior. Let's say that this girl doesn't know how to take anger or how to respond when you punish her. This is already right. physically behaving, and this is more discipline. This is you or, as a teacher. Or no, or, or she'll lash out angrily. Okay, but again, it's about you as a teacher as discipline. How do you discipline the rest of the class? How do you get control? What do you do if there's a kid that, that acts that way? What do you generally do? What tools do you have in your toolbox? Well, would you I'm, call a, a mother? Very, 
Would you I'm send her to the principal? I'm a very warm teacher. I'm very fun-loving. I usually don't have anybody acting up. She does. Obviously, she must have an emotional issue or something where this is coming from. It, it's like, it's not rational. I, I would do the same thing. If, I never had a kid talking during a test, but they know that, you know, if you talk during a test, I talk to me, it's, they, they they wouldn't they wouldn't misbehave if I do have a kid doing something I'll like remind I'll I'll say watch your step or be careful. Yeah, I, I I don't usually have anything coming to this point. Okay, so let's understand several points. Unfortunately, and I'm going to be very real with you, this mm-hmm. is something that's quite normal. The teachers deal with all the time, and parents even deal with this all the time. Just for us to be aware of that. So and let's understand several reasons why. Number one, it could be that she comes from a family where they are more physical, where the kid would say, who cares, or where the kids yell back at mm-hmm. the parents. No, she's the youngest in the family, and the mother has the same problem with her health. She doesn't know how to deal with her. Okay, but my question is, again, we're not discussing what the parents are like. Maybe the mm-hmm. mother is a tougher person, and the mother can sometimes yell, the kid yells back, and when the, mm-hmm. so that can be one issue. Were the other sisters that way? Many times it's the parenting that the parents didn't parent, the kid, or not the, the, the parenting tools that they have aren't adequate, for stronger natures, and now once the kid learns, hey, in at home I can control the parents, then they start bridging that information into the school. And if mm-hmm. you have a teacher that has the tools, which will give you some tools how to deal with it, then they know, okay, in school I don't do that, but it will be interesting how they still continue the negative behavior at home. So what our focus is, our focus is about being clear and about doing exactly what it is that we need to do as teachers to put her in her place, to educate her, and to be the assertive person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, let's go ahead and take this concept. What can you do? Number one is we need to educate. means you're going to take her after class, and you're going to sit down with her, and you're going to tell her these are the rules. You don't speak. You don't answer back chutzpah. You don't bar me from walking out the door. These are not done. And you might have a list of four or five other stuff that doesn't happen. And you then I, tried, I tried it. Good. And then and what happened? Wait, wait, wait. Let's clarify. Was it just one-on-one? Was it when girls are at recess time where girls are going over to her and everyone is staring? When was it? No, no, no. I called her over privately. And wait, wait. Privately. Give me a time. I need more details. When privately? After school. After school. Okay. And what did you tell her? I told her that this is not, if there's a problem, then this is not the way to express herself. If she wants to say something, she can always come over after class and discuss it. Okay. And what happened then? And what happened then is that she rebuffed it. And, and what happened was that two weeks later, she had to be suspended for outrageous behavior because she wasn't getting the message. And what was some other outrageous behavior that she had? The way she barred me from exiting the classroom. And when I told the principal, the principal was like, no way, she's not staying in. Okay. When she came back into class, how was she permitted back into class? She was only permitted because the mother had told her that the mother had tried taking her for help last year, and she didn't want. When she came home from being suspended, yeah. she stamped her feet and told her mother the second she walked into the house, you think you're taking me to somebody? You're not taking me to anybody. So the mother, whatever, so the mother, the compromise that was made is that the mother will go for therapy to learn how to deal with her and the mother told the daughter that the only way she's being allowed back into school is because she's going to be going for therapy to learn how to deal with her. Okay, now, what I would still recommend is that this girl, let's say, I would still recommend that you have a meeting with this. How's her behavior now since she's back? She's back for one day. I mean, she's All right. mute, she's quiet, she stares at the ceiling. I mean, she's obviously not interested in being there, but she just has to okay. do it. Part of what, ha- what I would really recommend is you have a meeting with her today. 
and with the principal and you put down the rules which is this is appropriate behavior in school this is not and she must admit she must abide by it and she has to admit she has to repeat it saying okay i know i cannot do this when i'm angry i will behave so and so it's, it's, it's not going to work she's never going to repeat it she's mute she's mute she will not say a word unless she's angry and she has elders okay so then wait she is selective mute that she doesn't speak during class ever it depends depends on her mood Okay, so right let me explain to you, let me explain to the issue. And here, let me explain to you why we can't continue this much on air. And that is because the student has become the teacher. When you're telling me there's nothing we can do to get her to listen, it means we've lost all power. And when I do parenting... Kind of, a little. What? Kind of. Not yeah. kind of, completely. If you cannot get her to sit down, when you have you, a teacher, and a principal in the room, telling her, these are the rules, do you understand it, say yes... And to clarify, and she's going to be quiet and run the show her way, it means she's in control. That, right. is, that is not in control. And that is the first rule that in, in teaching or in parenting is you are the authority figure. And there are tools and there are exercises that you can be. Number one, I would have not her letter back into class until at least two, three days before she comes to school. And you'll do some practicing with her where you're the authority with the school. You will say something. She will help. She has to earn her way back in. It's not just... Again, that's why I feel this needs really one-on-one -on -one advice, and it's not really for on-air, because we've got a lot of people calling, and I feel this is a lot more than just how do you deal with a kid that was inappropriate out of class or someone that has anger issues. It sounds uh -huh. to me to be a lot more, and no kid behaves that way at home and at school unless there's a lot more going on in their life. So I do believe a therapist is needed, and I do believe the smart idea is first get the parents for therapy, so the parents can get stronger, can get clearer. But the kid has to be addressed, and that's as much as we can address right now. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you okay, for that. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. We're going to go to line three, to Yankel. Yankel, you're on the air with Mordechai. For those of you calling in, uh, for those of you tuning in now, it's your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Licensed Clinical Social Worker. And we're discussing over here anger management, anger and anger management tools and tips that we're going to be getting into. And, of course... Looking forward to taking your question in any area. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Um, is actually um, Ruchi on line two that we'll go to first that was waiting? We'll see. Aaron, you, your choice. Oh, we're going to Yankel. Yankel on line three. Hello? Yes. I'm a and uh, yeah, look at that screams a lot. He's always slamming doors. He just seems to be mad. Okay. Is there, you know, he's a 21-year-old book. He just became a chusim. And, you know, just, he has always tried to talk to him. And he just, you know, just, he goes, tell him, don't slam doors, don't scream. You know, just scream and slam doors right there. All right, guys, I'm still trying to figure out if this is a prank call, if it's laughing that I hear in the background or if it's not. And if it is, I would say it's the first one that we got since we're on in about nine months. Is this well, a real question, my friend? Yes, that's what you're talking about. Uh-huh. All right. So we're going to go to Rifki Online 1, and I'm just going to address your question, what Yankel said. And this is what happens if you got Bacharim and Adiro wherever you are, you got a friend that's got a lot of anger issues over here. Number one, as we had Mayer, the first guy, your job is not to be a therapist. Don't try to be a therapist. Don't. 
there are different roles. Just like therapists don't try to be your friend. I'm going to say something very controversial. Therapists are not meant to be your friend. Therapists are meant to understand you. Therapists are meant to help you get into that deep, dark, painful places. And therefore, there is a connection which some people can assume is friendship. But one of the most important things that we try to keep is not to get into friendship level. I won't share with them my day. We're not going to schmooze about family stuff. We're not going to schmooze about my dreams unless they are needed for an illustration, which even that very rarely do I do because it gets into that friendship level. Friends are not meant to be therapists. Therapists are not meant to be friends. In fact, it's unethical for you, for a therapist to work on friends or family for various reasons, but one of them will be the type of therapy that you will be dispensing. So when you build too much, too close a connection with someone, it's going to be very hard for the person to be that therapist, that clear therapist. That's step one. Step two, um, you guys don't have to take pain and abuse. So I know how a dearers go. Dearers go, you can tell the guy, behave or we chuck you. And be aware that sometimes people that are angry, they only throw a fuse because they know they can get away with it. So I know people or I deal with people when they have anger issues and many times in the family, either the husband or the wife, whichever one is angry because you can have many of them that it can be sometimes a husband and sometimes a wife. It's not always typical as we assume, oh, the men are always angry. Unfortunately, we have today a lot of women that are also angry and that yell and scream all day. And it's the spouses that are actually afraid to also put down their foot to say, that's it, Adkan. And I always explain to them, look at this. Is there one person that your husband or your wife is afraid to yell at and to scream? And they always say yes. And I go, now realize it's because it's within yourself. You got to be strong. You got to be clear. Once you have that, that's how it is taken and that's how it is. That is the main focus that we want us to realize. That's within ourselves. When we're clear, you tell the guy, your anger is not acceptable. You're destroying things is not acceptable. Your yelling is not acceptable. Making fun of people is not acceptable. That's how it changes. It must be that way and it has to remain that way. Thank you for those questions all the way from Eretz Yisrael. And now we are on with Rifki. You're on the air with Mordechai and the number to call for your question or comment. And today's topic is about anger. Um, the number is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Rifki, you're on the air with Mordechai. When I get angry, I don't realize that I'm angry. I can't just, like, stop it. Oh, that is a nice question. It's nice that you came in. And that is, how does, right, that's, how can someone realize that they're angry? Yeah? Yeah. All right. So let me ask you, because I think you sound like a very smart girl. What would you say are ways that you can recognize, oh, I'm angry now? I don't, most people don't think when they're angry. Ah, that's very true. Good. <clears throat> Now, what are tools that you can do to learn to start thinking when you're angry? What are signs that you can set up that I'm angry? <coughs> I think you could come up with some ideas. What are some, what are some ways that you can tell when you're getting angry? Maybe, <laughs> maybe you start moving things very fast. Maybe your voice starts getting very loud. Maybe someone tells you why you're angry and you say, no, it's not true. Do any of those ever happen to you when you get angry? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, which one of those? Any, all. All right, so we have now three telltale signs how you can recognize when you're getting angry. Another one is when you're so, when you just notice yourself, you can only think about one thing, like, I'm so angry at them, I'm going to hurt them, how could they do that? When you notice yourself not being relaxed, not being able to think, not being able to be done, 
then that is something, one of the ways that we can recognize it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now let me ask you, next time you're angry, how can you, how will you know that you're angry to start using what tools we're going to discuss soon? So I see myself thinking one way. When you see yourself, say that again. Thinking one way. That's right. That's right. Another way is when you start thinking negative about people. Oh, I hate this person. They're so mean. The more we start thinking that people are bad, it means the weaker we are. Okay? Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. We're going to jump to line three to Sally for an update that they have on something that we discussed. Sally, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, Sally. Sally, yes. Okay, no, not update. I was saying, I, I, I told him that I called in the past two weeks and I waited the whole time, so oh. I, I told him if he could put me ahead. All right, we just um, did. We just a, jumped you ahead of everyone, actually. Sorry for all of the, oh, those of you that are waiting. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. I, I, I didn't listen before. I was wondering, is it, are you discussing anything specific? Because we're, I want... We're discussing anger, but you can, we'll still take a random different topics. It's here for you. This mm -hmm. program is here for you. Okay. So. Okay, first of all, I want to tell you that I'm literally addicted to Mordecai Weinbooker. Um, I would say that I listen to it whenever I do anything, cook, bake, or um, general housework. I come from work, I need a ear, I call your number, and I hear anything. I, I just love it, and I keep on listening and listening. I, I didn't even, I mean, it's been a long time listening to it, and my husband's asking me, yeah, you didn't cover it yet? So that you, there's always lots to hear there. So much to learn about it. It's real what you're doing. Wow, thank right. you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, I was wondering, you know, sometimes I feel like it might be that, you know, maybe it's because of that. When you listen so much and you hear so many people's problems and things, maybe it's that, but, like, what I want to tell you my problem. Or I would say it is my problem. You know, sometimes when you hear so much, you think, you know, what's my problem? <laughs> but generally, I wouldn't say it happens often, but what I do have, and I would say it evokes more when... Um, major things happen is that I think a lot about death and meaning to say like when anything goes wrong not like in a slight way and I don't mean like when anyone dies it happens but when something a little more than usual not very very but more than usual I feel like I okay tomorrow morning I won't, won't wake up or I'm going to walk around the street so I'm going to a car is going to knock me down or like it's it's always on my mind. Okay. Now, let's um, take a step back. Let's take a step back. Are most of the shows, programs that we have dealing with death, I want to start creating an awareness in you. Do most of our programs discuss death? No. Not no, 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 no. I just, I, no, no. I let, just go with my path. Let me run the show over here. Okay. All right. Do most of the phone line that I have, are most programs about death? No. In fact, there's only one about that. Most questions that we get over here on the radio, are most of them about death? No. No. So let's first recognize that when we have an issue, our brain likes shifting and likes, likes whitewashing it, and that's called a filter. I call it a filter. That our brain likes coming up with different reasons why we're thinking about it instead of saying, I think I got an issue. And step number one, if you're concerned about death, can you first realize that there is an issue that you have? doesn't have to be a big issue. doesn't mean it's holding you back in your life, but it's still something that you got an issue with. Um, whenever I, I don't care, like sharing with someone and I say it, they say that, wow, you're really special, that you think about it, because there's such a thing that you need to think about it, uh, that you need to think of death every day. And what do you mean, so, to, dis what do you mean to say by this? 
I need to say that I never, I wouldn't say, I don't think it's an issue. Excellent. And that's exactly why I wanted you to bring it out. So why are you asking your question? Because I want to know what I could do to avoid seeing these But things. it's not an issue. I need you. The first step in therapy is you got to acknowledge. It's not an issue. You told me it's special. Ashrecha, you're lucky. You have it. No, People are no, so happy. No. <laughs> What's going on? I don't hear the it issue. Is, it is. Uh, no, but it, it could a lot of times take away from my, you know, from oh, my... Oh, wait, wait, say it again. A lot of times what? It nags me a lot. Oh, so is there an I issue now or is it not an issue? And then sometimes I could be... Wait, 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 you see, you're already step five. I got to first go step one. That's why I'm bringing it out. I feel the way you first have a difficulty first acknowledging that there's a problem. We cannot move to step two to solutions until we see there is a problem. Is there a problem here? Yes, sometimes. Okay, so sometimes is a problem. Now, what is your problem sometimes? So I think about it, and when I think about it, I become depressed, and I feel like, Excellent. okay, I'm waiting for it to happen. Very good. And now, let's go take the other part to it. Now, to every problem that we have, there's always a positive. The positive of someone of you having, let's say, negative thoughts of fear of death or seeing death is, we can come up with several positives. Number one, you'll be more afraid to do an Avera than others. Number two, you're going to maybe help people more because you want the schusim and the mitzvahs. You might be more sensitive to someone else's feelings because of your fear. Am I correct about these? Yes. Actually, whenever I feel that way, I start um, like taking upon myself something to do. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's why working with someone like you is tricky where you also need a rub involved. Because taking away your fear... What might happen is, or hell, getting you to healthy balance, you might find that you're not doing as many mitzvahs. You might not find that the mitzvahs have that same energy, that same enthusiasm, or that same fear that you have. And then people start going, Mordechai Weinberger took away my this, my that. Uh-uh-uh. We don't do that. We first said, that's why I had you first say you have a problem. Why? Because I saw this coming straight up from the first minute. And that's why I wouldn't even give you the tools on here like I help others, because I also see that we first have to have your Rav say, Yes, you have a problem. There might be a benefit to your problem, but you still have a problem. And Tyrodic, by affecting it, and you'll need to learn now a new balance how to do mitzvahs and Masim Tavim. But for that, I need a Rav to work. So mm-hmm. that is my... to go to a Rav for such a reason? Well, again, let's take it this way. I just explained to you why. Assume we're going to take away a little bit of your fear of dying. Are you going to be like everyone else where you really don't think much about death and dying? And then you won't have the fear. And you're going to find, hey, you gave less tzedakah. You're saying less Tehillim. What happens is they go, Mordechai Weinberger takes away my Yiddishkeit. Mordechai Weinberger puts a Kaltkeit, takes away. I know this ahead of time. I'm not a beginning mm-hmm. therapist. Can I ask you, can I say one, add one more thing? Wait, 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 wait. Well, before you add that, okay. do you understand what I'm saying? I'm sorry. Do you, agree, do you agree that if your fear of death will, go, will not be that strong, your mitzvahs will go down a little? Or the way you do I it? I so. What? I would say so. Yeah, yeah that's right. So. And then what happens when a therapist does something like that without understanding that this case needs a rub as well? What would happen then to the therapist? Do you usually say, wow, what a great therapist? Or do you no. say, wow, this guy just don't go to therapy. They take you away from Yiddishkeit. And part of the reasons why I find therapists have the bad name is because they didn't set it up and they didn't recognize this case that you asked your question needs a rub involved as well in the therapy process. Mm-hmm. Um, I was yeah. just wondering in, in, in that 
I do have a very, very wild imagination, so I was thinking of maybe it's because of that. Um, you, again, that, you're just... Maybe that is causing it? You want to go into causing it or not, and that's definitely a large part of it. They might even be, I wouldn't even know if I'd use the word, the word cause. I might use them, they're the same issue. They're the same thing. But oh, to, the same thing? Same category? Yes. Chances are, again, I didn't ask a lot of things, so I can't do it. I don't know if there was a trauma mm-hmm. in your life of death. I don't know no, if you knew something. Again, what no. you call not, and when I go through the checklist of what we basically ask, you might find, oh, yeah, that's considered trauma, that's considered something, oh, yeah, taka. And then we start going, when was the first time you had the thought, and what happened, and maybe it was a drug We don't know yet, and I'm not going to do that on air now, and that's not the point of the right. question. The point is just to tell you it's very likely that they're the same issue, but again, this is something where you need to ask, you need to go into detail, you need to find out what's mm-hmm. happening. Um, I'm just saying an example, like the story what happened to Mr. Stark. Um, you know, because I have such imagination, it's like constantly, like like just an example. I mean, yes, like, now what would like, you like of me? We, I, I keep on... Okay. And, and, and after this thing, we're going to go to the next because we've given you a lot of time and we've got a lot of people waiting now, so... From okay, one we're leading to that. Okay, then, then go ahead. Then Excellent. Go. Your issue with Rabbi Stark, with what happened to him and the tragedy, and that you're still thinking about it, is all about the same issue. But before mm-hmm. you heal this issue, you're going to need to know from a Rav that not only is it mutter to do it, but it's a mitzvah to do it, and that it can mm-hmm. affect you, and that it can affect your children as well. So mm-hmm. there's thank a positive. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And I want to thank you for your bravery for calling up, for going on air, and for waiting that other time, a long time. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm sorry that I can't answer your question that shortly because this it's thing. Okay. Yep, this we got to set it up. It's got to be set up with a rub. Thank you for that. We are going to go to Siegel on line five. You're on the line with Mordechai. The number for those of you who'd like to call in. To ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Go ahead, and you're on with Mordechai. Hello? Hello, hello? Line 5, we're not hearing you. All right, we're going to go then to Chani on line 1. Chani, you're on the air uh, with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. So I have a question. When I get angry, like I know that I'm angry, but I just can't. Like I, I can't. I, I need a. I, did, I just need to yell back. Honey, did you call before? Was that you earlier? No. Oh, sorry. It was just someone else. Okay. So when you get angry, you yell back. I'm actually so thankful that you called in because here we could do it a little bit real live, like for people that are listening can even understand because we all get angry. But when we can see it in someone else, um, then we can recognize the change. Can we listen to you? Let's go ahead and listen to you a second, what you're saying. You're saying that when you get angry, you can't control yourself, right? I know that I'm getting angry, and I know I shouldn't be getting angry, and I know, like, it's not a good thing to do, but I, I can't. I just do it. Okay. Very clear, right? Now, let's, the way we deal with anger is not, as we discussed at the beginning of the program, is not swallowing and saying, don't get angry, don't get angry. That doesn't work. That's actually one of the worst things to do. When you do that, you know what happens? It gets worse. And the more you try to bottle it up, it gets worse. So let me ask you, and just see if you're ready to say it with a lot of people listening, what are things that get you angry? The more you talk about the points that got you angry, you didn't get a good mark, your friends didn't talk to you, you didn't get called, you didn't have the, you didn't get the, what should I say, your parents didn't get you something that you wanted, a sister smarter than you or a brother teased you. What are feelings, what are things that can happen that get you angry? What the well, build up? 
What? Like, let's say my siblings come into my room and they make a mess, and I say, can you please clean it up? And they say, it's your room. Why would I clean it up for you? Okay, good. So that's step one. So let's now take this point and divide it into several points. What do you feel when they first went into your room, let's say? No, let's say I'm not home. Okay, so let's say when you're not home, how do you feel when people go into your room first when you're not home? I feel like, like, please, like, I I want my privacy. You, like, I don't go, like, just barge into your room and make messes. You don't barge into my room and make okay. messes. So first let's go. So step one, first about privacy, because there are two, three different points out of the story that I want you to realize these are three reasons why you're getting angrier. Step one, there's no privacy. You have privacy, and they're not respecting your privacy, right? Mm-hmm. Step two is that you said they made a mess. What does that mean when they made a mess? What does it bother you when they make a mess? Because then I have to clean it up. Wait, we'll like, deal with the cleaning up after. Do you mind if they would make a mess and clean it up? If, would, do you mind that they touch your things? Yeah. Okay, so that's what I want to bring out. So there's a second point in this story, and that is that when people touch your items without your permission, it also affects your emotions. So far we have two points. We have point number one, you want some privacy, and you're not respecting your privacy. Number two, now they're touching your stuff that you don't like touched. Now there's number three, where they don't clean up their mistakes, and you have to clean up their stuff, their, their, their mess that they made. Is that correct? Yeah. Now there's a fourth point to this, and that is that even that not only don't they clean it up, but when you tell them to, they still won't do that. So can you see how in this one story, there are actually four triggers, four little, imagine there's a, a box which can hold up to ten items. This one story wasn't one story. It's four items already in the box. Mm-hmm. Could you give me some other story when you get angry where you can't hold yourself back? Is it in school? Is there any stories in school? In school, no, usually not. No. And what's the difference between school and in the house? At home, I think I'm more comfortable. Like, I'm not going to go and yell at my, let's say, classmate in school because it's just not acceptable and you just, it's not a thing that you do. Okay. So now let's recognize something about anger that I've mentioned earlier. That is, when we are taught, when we know something is not appropriate or we're afraid of something, we can hold it in. Anger is something that can be taught and can be trained how to act appropriate and what's not appropriate. Now let's go to the reasons. Now, in the house, if you would learn how to, if you can discuss it with your parents, and they would, let's say, make sure the kids don't go into your room, privacy is respected, and um, if there's a mess that someone did, the parents will make sure the kids do it, and they teach you, and they teach you the skills, how to make sure that if someone touches your stuff, and they should clean it up, would you still be angry? But let's say I... Let's say I tell my parents and I say... Wait, wait, let's, uh, let's go before your parents didn't help you. If that would happen, would you still be angry? If privacy would be respected and if by mistake they didn't respect your privacy and they touched your items once and they know they shouldn't have and then they made a mess and then they cleaned it up, would you still be... And if, and if let's say, they didn't want to clean it up and you told them to clean it up and they'll clean it up and they apologize, will you still be angry? Not as much. Excellent. So what happens in anger where we really get angry is what I've mentioned at the beginning. It's because we lose control. When you have no way to protect your items, no way to prevent others from doing things that are harming you, one of the simplest emotions that are out there that we express is anger. And we explode and we yell. And all it helps is for that five minutes, for that half hour when they're afraid of you. But after that, they go right back to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So 
what's happening over here, what you need is really to be given the little skills where you can explain to your parents what's happening, your parents to give you the tools how to make sure that your room or stuff stay private if someone does touch, because sometimes siblings share rooms. And even if they share a room, but you're allowed to have your drawer something that's private, and it doesn't have to have a lock on it. Privacy is allowed to be respected with trust. And when you feel that your, your items are in your private stuff are protected, that they're private, you'll find yourself safe and calm. So you're angry because you don't yet have the tools how to create that. And that's a whole separate topic that we're not going to be able to go into right now. How to create in your house a system where your privacy or where you're going to be able to educate your brothers and sisters about correcting stuff. That's not for now. But the point that I'd like you to recognize from your question, I'd like you to go away with, is you're just not getting angry. It's not that you can't control yourself. It's that you have no more tools how to protect yourself and your privacy. And the one solution that you have is anger, even though it's not helping. Correct? Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for that question. Okay, fine. Thank you so much. Yes, very brave of you to call in. The okay. number to call in to ask your question about anger, our anger management that we're going to be getting to in a couple of minutes, is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And Aaron, who are we going to next? We're going to Ruchi on line six. Ruchi, you're on the air with Mordechai. And again, the number to call in with your question and comment about anger or anger management or what to do. And if you've got any other subject that you'd like to bring up, we can address that as well. But the main focus is anger and anger management. The number is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Ruchi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello. Amazing program. Yes. Thank yes, you. Yes, you hear me? Yes, we hear you clearly now. Okay. Now I'm actually calling from Israel. Oh wow. Um, and I have a environmental question that's come up in my mind many times. Um, I have a two-year-old daughter, and she's in Ghana. In we live in Yerushalayim. Yes. And they and she comes back like a lot of times from Ghana with like a scratch on her face or like she'll tell me that the kids patched her and uh, um, this is not the first time that this has happened like last year she was in a different place and um, this happened as well and I just find that in the environment that we live in over here in Israel there's like a lot of aggression and anger in the street like even like when you walk like people just walk into you and like even the neighborhood like People are just trying to survive, so it's like an angry environment, and I'm trying to find a way to, like, I'm a very soft person. Like, even when I get angry, like, I don't necessarily react in an active way. Like, I'm much more, like, passive, so I, like, go inward. So I'm, I'm like, okay, like, maybe it will just pass. Maybe I should just ignore it, but as a, as a parent, like, how am I meant to deal with this when my daughter comes home with a scratch on the face and... And the Ganan, it's like, yeah, she needs to learn to stand up for herself. Or it's just um, kind of staring me in the face in this way. Okay. Let me ask you something. Do you have the assertive tools to deal with when people are taking advantage of you? Or do you have the easy skills to say no and not to feel guilty about it? Yeah, very very much so. I mean, the guilt, maybe not so much. Like, I, I do have an inner guilty conscience, but I have worked on saying no and... Okay, well, I'm going to go be not such a social worker in this case and sort of tell you 
you're living in an environment and we all need to adjust to our environments. And I got some news for you. In America, it's also pretty, um, you need to fend for yourself. And you hear all the time, bullying is a huge issue in America. There are lots of laws being been passed in the last year, year and a half, legislatively, where people can get arrested, removed from schools, and, and a whole bunch of huge stuff that go on about bullying. So this is a world issue, of course. Of course, Eretz Israel, Israel is known for that Sabra-type mentality of a more tough, you know, attitude. But one of the points that we want to do now is actually get your child, instead of trying to change the environment to our children, we need to update our children to be able to survive in the environment. And those that can adapt, those that have those tools can survive more. Now, I'm not saying the world should be aggressive. What I am saying is if you chose to live in an area, every area is going to have milos, every area is going to have chasrinus, our job is to be able to adapt to those areas. Right. is that I've become more aggressive, and I'm asking, you know, we're evaluating as parents the question, is this something that we would like, we would like in our environment, or is this something that we could sort of change? I, you know? I'm, a, I'm a personal believer to go teach your kid how to stand up to the plate, because this is something everyone must deal with many times in their life. And one of the ways do that for a two and a half year old? We practice with them. Here's a toy. Someone grabs it out. What are you going to do? You're going to start like to say, it's mine. Say, it's mine. You role play. Children are role play. That's how we teach them to potty train. That's how we teach them boys to wear yarmulkes. We train it. You teach them. Mm -hmm. Say, it's mine. Say, no. Say, Mora, this boy took it or this girl took it. It's my toy. Stick up for yourself. Be, be verbal. They don't have right, to... So you should patch back and, and scratch I am back, not a like... big believer in patching back or screaming back, but I am a big believer in being more verbal or grabbing it back sometimes. Yes, if it's yours, I want you to practice grabbing back. I'm not such a believer in scratching back because of that, but and to tell the Mora to get her aware that my kid will be doing that. Keep an eye. If my kid starts yelling, Mora, he took my toy, get involved. And right. Now, just done on a separate note, um, when she comes home and she starts like touching like the baby or she tried she she starts acting out this new behavior what is the correct way to respond well it's about training her you want to train her again just like you're going to train her to be assertive at times you're going to train her in the house now that you're home you're going to practice it with her be nice be calm one of the things is very simple is first give her food ask her how the day was did she have a good time what did she make wow Building up a kid and let's say letting and having food, which is very important for children. Kids act up any time when they're hungry. And that's when you do that. So you want to first do the basic stuff. Make sure she's eating, like she's got some mm -hmm. food. Um, if she needs to rest, she can rest. If she needs some time alone just to color, do that. Like it's not right away being busy. Like just give her that 10, 15 minutes and you'll find a huge difference that happens. Right. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. And I'm being told that we can have a break over here. So we will take a, um, a break coming up. You know, let's take a question we're saying from the Lakewood Scoop. Um, we've got, first of all, those of you tuning in, you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weimerger, LCSW, that's Licensed Clinical Social Worker. And um, the number to call to ask your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And um, you can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop and on Yeshiva World. So those that are asking questions on the Lakewood Scoop. We got that over there. We're going to read some of your questions. As well, we've had two questions from Eretz Yisrael. The callers are coming in from all over. We've had many times from England. And we thank all of you listening all over to this program and asking your question. On the Lakewood Scoop, the first question is, Ellie says, 
There's a guy in our shul that likes the Amid. The problem is that there is only one person that likes when he davens, and that is he himself. The rest of the minion either dislikes it or dreads it. As a gabai, what do I do if one week he davens, and the next week he can come again to ask for the Amid? When one hand does, on one hand, does the majority have to suffer, or as the gabai mentioned, if we reject his request, he might go home in a... It's too far for me to see that. And it will have an effect on his family and his friends have an obligation. Okay. Or sort of, let's say, in a bad mood. Our job, if we are worried about taking care of the entire world, as is the famous story from the Benishchai, the mushal with his father's taking a kid, and they have a, they have a donkey, and the, the boy is riding the donkey, and they go, don't you feel bad for the donkey? Your kid is on it. You should teach your kid about more chinuch. Let your kid walk, you should go on the donkeys, and the kid is wheeling the donkey, and then the father's on it, then they go, what? You have a donkey, and your kid is wheeling it, the donkey's meant to schlep bags, so put the bags on it. Wherever he goes, someone else gives him another bit of advice. The job of Agabe is not to be a therapist to the world. It's not. Your job is to make sure the, run, the shul is being run well and correctly. A second part of that job, which we have the Gedolim, where you take bigger concepts into into your into your spectrum, which is, do I need to worry about his shalom bayis? That question now needs to be going into a rav. But as a gabe, we need to realize your focus. What's your job? Your job is to make sure a different balit tefillas. And what you might tell the shul is, which happens many times, you guys don't want this guy to daven for the yamid. But when it comes to stand up to the plate, none of you want to daven for the yamid, which you shift responsibility onto them. Agabe's job is not to be a schnarrer, is not to be begging. That's not your job. Your job is to make sure that minyanim start on time. Your job is to make sure whoever needs to get aliyahs, there's about tefillah, and things are run well. That is your job. Now, if you need to beg four, five, six people, and one guy goes up to the yam, they go, why do you always pick him? Then you need to clarify, I'm not always taking him. He's the guy that's going up without a, without a battle, and he's helping me, and he's helping you because you don't want to do it. But again, in my opinion, what do you tell this guy? I don't think you should be telling him, sorry, the guys don't want you. Just a simple answer, which is we've got, let's say, 20 people in shul, and we do a sort of a rotation that every seven or every ten tefillahs, everyone gets a, everyone gets a davening. But <coughs> not that one person has it all the time. And that's the simple way. And if he goes by, I like it, that's wonderful. But that's so go ahead and you can do whatever you like. But over here, we do the rotation of every eight or every ninth field is someone davens. That's if you have enough people for that rotation. So the concept is, again, I don't think we need to hurt the guy, say no one likes you, no one wants you to daven for the young, but at the same time, there's got to be a certain, a certain understanding where you need to do your job. And if you're busy living your entire life with what everyone else needs, you will never have time to do your job. Thank you guys for, the, for that question. All right, and we are going to take then now a commercial uh, a break. And we'll come back right after this. And welcome back, everyone, to this part two of Mordechai Weimarger. Let's grow together. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And for those of you tuning in now, you can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop, on Yeshiva World, and of course on jrootradio.com. And looking forward to seeing you and for hearing your questions and your comments. 
Um, we're going to, we just took a question from the Lakewood School. Let's go to line two. Let's go to Chaim. Chaim on line two, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, Mordechai. Hello, Chaim. Okay, first of all, thank you very much for providing this amazing program of awareness to the world. You're welcome, um, and I appreciate it. Okay, so here's my question. Um, my wife suffers from a food addiction, and she recently broke her abstinence, and now she just confided in me that she is having, um, like, throwing up all her food, like bulimic. Yes. So my question is, you know, it was very hard for her to share that with me, and how serious is it? Do I, like, break her confidence and go ask advice from people that we both know, etc.? Like, is okay. this much worse than a food addiction? Is it dangerous? Is this more dangerous? Okay. This is a question which is kind of interesting. I'd like to put it in context, and then hopefully with the context you'll be able to understand it. And it goes as follows. People, we're social workers. Let's say I'm a social worker. As a social worker, everything that is told to me is 100% confidential. And it must remain that way. However, there are certain situations, certain instances that are not considered confidential, which means we tell the person ahead of time, you need to understand that this and this is not confidential, these certain issues. So you want to tell them ahead of time. But one of the points is, let's say if there's harm to themselves or harm to others, if it's an eminent harm, if it's something that's dangerous. Or some other points. I don't want to start going into that. But the point is there are certain points that are confidential and certain points that are now manipulating tools and sometimes you have to deal with it. If you've used certain words, which is abstinence, which already tells me that you have some information about the addiction world, which mm -hmm. means either you or your wife is along those lines, or it's in the AA, the 12-step method, where these terms are used, or you've been to therapy and you have information about that. Each of these three, which tells me is you're an educated consumer, which now what that means is if someone has bulimia, they have a food addiction, either up or down, food addictions are very serious. I want you to know, unfortunately, if you would just search, the highest mortality, it means the highest death rate of any diagnosis out there is unfortunately eating disorder. People make eating disorder to be, eh, it's not so serious, it's okay, it's very serious. And I feel our system and our society is helping that grow, and I feel that must stop. When you see someone looking too skinny, don't tell them you look so great. Talk about their clothing. Don't say you look so great skinny. Don't say, what diet are you on? No, don't do that. That just reinforces their negative view, or that, that view that they have. It must stop, and there's a lot to be done about that. Now, when your wife tells you something, your job is not always, as a husband, okay, I'm now the therapist. She just told me a secret. Now I'm going to try to be her therapist. No. Bulimia, eating disorders, is a very serious diagnosis, and that's why I'm explaining that to you, that it must have professional help working on that. And here's where the job is extremely difficult, and I'm going to sort of shift onto you or sort of inform you, and that's your job. You need to realize what's your job. As a therapist, um, I've had very recently a client come to me because they hear that I'm gentle and I'm so warm and emotional. I thought, uh-uh, mister. You're coming to me, your therapy that you need is behavioral therapy, and i got to start kicking you around in an emotional way to start getting movement going. you got to have A, B, and C, and that's the only way I'm going to work with you if you're committing to that. So all of a sudden, this person, let's take an example that has not gotten up for about six years, so just using it as an example, maybe four or five times, and every therapist tries telling him, let's set some goals for today, let's have you feel great, 
we're going to start a positive motivation in the morning. No, 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 no. This guy was the opposite. It's who's going to be the guy to wake you up, who's going to get you to do it. And then now I'm not saying this is what we did. It was actually something else. And the person that knows, knows it was this week. And they were shocked. And I already got feedback that after three days of working, things are moving along very well. And that's what you need, a tougher, called more behavioral style. And, of course, as a therapist, we need to evaluate what each case needs. In some cases, need an entire combination. Eating disorder, bulimia. When your wife opens up to you that she's suffering of these things, it means you need a professional. And I will share with those of you listening, I'm not a professional for bulimia. I don't have the energy to deal with a diagnosis where is that serious, where there might need to be hospitalizations, you might need the fighting, the, the strong, the up and downs. See here, I'm taking questions, and I am not strong enough to deal with that disorder. You as a husband are not equipped to deal with that. And do not let that manipulation now fall on you. Because I told you, now you can't tell anyone. No, that is part of the illness. Part of the illness is trapping you in, I can't tell anyone, but it's serious. What do I do? What you do is, what? I'm sorry? I could just call up her therapist and say, look, this is what's going on. Step one, definitely. How do I deal with it? What do we deal with it? Yes. Step one, there's another point for you to go for therapy. And here again, I'm going to make a recommendation. Being that you're in the marriage and being the way it sounds, the way she told you don't do it and you're not sure yourself what to do, which means I'm going to make an assumption that you're one of those nice husbands that try to be understanding, that try to be caring. But when it comes to being assertive, that's a little bit hard on you. So what I would recommend is you don't, I'm going to say something a bit more controversial. I don't even know if you need a therapist at this point. Right now, you might just need a life coach. Now, not a life coach if someone's got no experience or just took a six-week course or just took a course by whatever is happening, but someone that has experience with very grounded steps. What is my step? My step is she must go to an eating disorder therapist. And every week, what is my step to make sure she's getting emotionally better? Or if that's needed, she might have two, three other diagnoses, and maybe you got to work on those first. Doesn't matter what. But you might need someone to get you stronger because many times these people will not go for help as long as they can manipulate and they'll stop the therapy, they'll lie to the therapist. But if you're strong, boy, do they change. And it's very interesting how they change. I'll share with you a story that someone has shared with me, and hopefully that will help. It was a woman that went to a therapist, and she was being physically, talking today's topic about anger management, was physically being beaten by her husband. And this is a from family, and she said she's not divorcing because of her kids. The kids are, they don't want to have shaduch, and we know the whole story, the whole process. And a couple of years later, she called up the therapist and said, I'm divorced. And she said, why? And she said, because when my 14-year-old boy hit me for the first time, I said, there's no way I'm having another lady suffer with what I did. So what changed was this woman was weaker on the inside because she saw the pain of what the kids are going to go through was that big that she's going to swallow. But when she saw a greater pain than that, she did the steps that she had to do. What I need you to realize is we need you stronger here. Telling the therapist, I don't know how much that's going to help if your wife can manipulate you and manipulate the therapist. I'm not going to therapy. You told out, I'm not going. Are there any chances your wife might do that? Um... Is she, is she not exactly that, but some way of going out of control so that I can't control it. Okay. That's right. And that's really where your inner work comes in. What are your fears? you got to do what's got to be done, and things have got to remain. And as you get stronger, you're going to find that happening. But in my opinion, if the, again, if she's bulimic, and if this is, a, I don't know if this is going on now, or is this going on a while? Yeah, but, just, just like a week or two. 
So sometimes, again, these things can enter. They can, again, it's just I feel like there's so much here. Which means there can many times be where people change negative behaviors. So if someone has anxiety, for example, they're afraid of driving in a car, and they'll say, okay, I'm not afraid of driving a car. Now it's switched. I'm afraid to walk on the street. And then, okay, I can now walk in the street, but now I'm afraid something's going to happen to a family member. If this is about a week, I wonder what were some of her past behaviors that she used to do, that it's just shifting, and we need to make sure that she's getting the right help. She might need medication as well. I don't know if she's on any of that, if you'd like to share that. But yeah, there, no, she is. No, I don't know if it helps, but she is. Okay. And you want to make sure that those are helping. And if they're not, then you want to be in touch with a doctor and to raise some of them. It can be anxiety that's causing that. It can be certain stresses. can be certain mood disorders. And depending, and many times I speak to doctors and they're really not getting the full information. They're not getting the full picture. So they're asking and they're really, if we can share with them the information, they can now adjust the medication as well. So let's understand this. When your wife tells you a secret, something like that, that she's bulimic, or you're seeing the signs of bulimia, it needs to be addressed. And I would be recommend to you to be strong enough to tell to, to her face, you told me something that is out of my scope, that is not healthy for me to keep private, and this is something that I'm going to need to get guidance on, because this behavior isn't healthy. And when she's going to start doing the manipulation tools, but you weren't allowed to tell anyone, or you shouldn't have done that, the, the, the healthy response will be, there are healthy points that are meant to be kept secret that are between husbands and wives. There are also healthy points that when someone hears it, you need to report it. And one of them, and if you don't, you sometimes can even be considered a, uh, an accomplice to the crime. Seeing someone shoot someone, just being there and not saying it, not reporting it, actually is a felony, is actually a crime. We need to understand that. Going with someone, just driving away the car from a bank robbery, I didn't rob the bank, you will be going to jail as well. Which means not to tell you that you're guilty of anything, but you have responsibilities, and part of that responsibility is to know what your responsibility is. And let me ask you, as a husband, what do you feel is your responsibility? If a wife or if a child, or if someone else tells you, you know something, I'm starting to vomit, I'm starting to be bulimic, and I have an eating disorder issue. What do you think is their responsibility? Um, to do as much as I can to get them to help. That's right. And if it right. means... You can't force somebody to get help. You can. That's right. But you can also equally not be the accomplice to that crime. So you might not report in advance a crime is going to happen, but you still don't have to be the getaway driver. So what would be the getaway driver here? Just like keeping it a secret? Either keeping it a secret or telling her, oh, you can talk to me all about it. No, you can't. This is a serious diagnosis that needs professional help. Part of it might be you got to, part of it might be where you're going to be getting advice and telling her, I want to see you eat or I want to make sure you don't vomit or I'm not even sure right now what that would be because I think there's so much more to this that's being yeah. addressed. But I think the point is for you to recognize that, you know what, let's even just branch the, your question into today's topic. Today's topic is about anger and focusing on anger yeah. management. Would you say that your wife, that a, lot, a large part of these behaviors are when she gets angry? 100%. Thank you. Constantly, constantly angry. That's right. I'm not sure which one comes first. <laughs> that's as well. I wasn't going to go there. But what we need to realize is, and that's why I picked this topic, because anger has a lot of shirashim, has a lot of roots that go in many different areas. And we need to deal with it. We need to address them. And anger can many times, you know, not treated, not dealt with, not known how to deal with it, can sometimes implode 
where we keep it within ourselves and it gets such a deep problem that it can develop into many different diagnoses. And I, my personal opinion is that many diagnoses of depression, anxiety, OCD, even bulimia, is a lot of emotions or eating disorders are emotions that are deeply suppressed that haven't gotten out. And if we don't get them out, they develop into a lot more. They might not cause them. They might be the final straw that broke the camel's back, but they definitely are a large part of that. So my suggestion to you is get professional help. And the way you sound and the way she can try to manipulate you, I would recommend for you to find a therapist that's not emotionally warm and soft, someone that's understanding. You don't want someone that's tyrant, unfortunately. There are some of those in the field. But you want someone that's more behaviorally focused. What is going to be my response? And a weekly session on that. How did I stick to my rules? What are my behavioral goals that are measurable, that are quantitative? You can see how often that happened. And you can see and watch your growth or your not growth. And then in that case, you'll be shifting it and changing it. So you want, I would recommend to you, a more behavioral grounded therapist. Make sense? Wow. Yes, thank you so much. Any point that you feel I missed? Not at all. Excellent. Thank you, Chaim, for that question and Siata Deshmaya and lots of luck and Atzlacha Weiter. We're okay. going, we are going to go to Gress on line one. The number to call it is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. You're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, and you can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop, on Yeshiva World, and, of course, on the jrootradio.com. Um, let's go ahead, and we're going to go, actually, to line six, to Ruchi. You're on the air with Mordechai. Ruchi, you're on. Hello? Hello? Yes. Yeah, my name is not Rufi. I can tell that from your voice. What is your name? <laughs> Mayor. Mayor, I got you. It's Mayor on line six further down. Okay, we didn't delete the other one. I got you, Mayor. All right. Yeah, that's not one of my issues. Anyways, um, <laughs> there are, I have two questions. So the first one is like this. I don't know whether to call it anxiety or nervousness, you know. Even like now when I'm calling up the show, I just get that, like, I can't breathe, you know. Or it comes out, let's say, dating. Before I go on a date, like, oh, my gosh, I can't eat, I can't breathe. Let's say, down for the helmet, I just get that, like, hyperventilation. Yes. So I want to know, like, how to deal with that. Okay, good. That's question one. Let me hear question two. Question two is, I just, you know, maybe you're inspiring some people to become a LCSW. Like, I just wanted to know what it takes, like, how many years and stuff like that. All right, I'll, I'll tell you the long version, I'll tell you the short version, and we'll see on air the feedback that I'm going to be getting, the positives or the negatives, as it usually happens. All right, let's first take the first question about anxiety, about hyperventilating, and let's, deal, let's first recognize there are normal times to feel anxious. It means calling up on air knowing that there are thousands of people, and as we've had today, two callers from Air to Stroll, so this is worldwide listening yeah, to, this sure. show, to this program, is normal for the mind to feel unsure, unsafe. I want you to understand why. Our brain is programmed to protect us, to keep us safe. That's the goal of our brain. And when we do something where there can be damage, I might sound funny, people might not like me, people might recognize me. All these fears, now the mind's job, the brain's program is to protect us, and it gives us a warning sign. Same thing as when we got a daven for the Yamid. Our brain gives a warning. Is there any benefit to davening for the Yamid? Not really. But the concerns are, someone will tease me, I'll get comments, I might make a mistake, I might get stuck in the middle, and automatically the brain starts going into hyperventilating mode, into survival mode or fearful mode. Does that make sense? Yeah, and dating. 
and dating. Exactly. Let's let's take simple guess. Why would dating be afraid? <laughs> Why would that be afraid for any bacher? You a thousand reasons. Yeah, you gotta make sure. Now, like, you, that's the problem. I've, I I can identify like what's bothering me. The problem is how do I deal with it? Okay. So there are two different methods, many different methods in dealing with it. One of the main methods is out there is cognitive behavioral therapy, which I'm a very strong proponent, which means I'm very for it. There's also different therapy, which I'm also a huge proponent, which actually most of my practice that I deal with is more emotional, means dealing into the subconscious. So I find that I am the therapist that people go to after they were not successful with CBT, because not every tool works with everyone. That's when I work, and that's what I've done with several people. And since you sound like an intelligent guy, Mayor, we'll, we'll go ahead. We'll give you like a little free tuning in. Let's see if we can help you out. Awesome. All right. If I would ask you to go into your feelings a second, into the anxiety, what's the feeling? What's the fear? What's it saying? What would happen if you dive in for the Ahmed when you're dating? What's it afraid of? Let's do the dating because that's what I'm focusing on now. Good. Let's go to the dating. What's the emotion telling you? There's, I'm telling you there's a thousand things. You know, I have a big fear of rejection, you know. It's one thing for me to say no to a girl, but to hear a no from a girl... <laughs> Good, so let's go into that. Fantastic. And by the way, that's almost everyone. But yeah. let's go into it right now. Sorry, all, all the girls out there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. For all those girls over there that are always thinking the boys say no and it's so easy and they have everyone reading, it's not easy. It and is And they're also a fear if they are going to get the no. So let's go to you a second. When the girl tells you no, what's your feeling? I'm worthless. What are the thoughts? What are those subconscious messages that you hear? Yeah, I feel like you may be... You know, yeah, maybe I'm not as good, or maybe I'm always, like, second-guessing. Maybe I didn't perform as well as I should have, you know? Yes. So there's doubt coming in, and then start reviewing. Nervousness. And, say that again? Nervousness. Nervousness. Now, if I would ask you what feeling, not real, not logical, what emotion out of that would happen would ease your feelings, that you would feel confident, that you've done well, and there's no reason to be nervous, what would put you at ease? doesn't have to be what real. It can be that you, um, let's say you would know that this girl is not your Basharat, or this girl is your Basharat. How would you feel and know that this is going to happen either way? If I, if I truly had that, like, real betachin, and I knew it's going to happen anyways, yeah. no matter what I do or say, I'd yeah. be totally chilled. Excellent. So I would like you right now just to imagine for a second, so you can have the Rabbi Nishleil, Mamalo, Chalioa, Navi, whoever you would like, or your Rosh Hashiva, or Rebbe, whatever it is that works with you. To just feel that, be guaranteed that within a year you're engaged and married. Just feel the feeling you can date and whatever you do won't, will not change your destiny. Mm-hmm. I want you to feel it a second. How does your heart feel within? You know, you really have to work on it, you know? Then you're, then you, blue in the face, so you really, really have to Then you're it. too logical, then that's not the correct answer. And that was a logical answer. I'd like you to feel your heart a second, like just feel the emotion of nervousness, and what would reassure the nervousness? What? You have to realize that we're not in control. No, that's again logical. You're giving me all the cognitive behavioral tools out there. We're not in control. Learn to let go, surrender, go with it. That's not my question. A feeling. What feeling would give you? So let's assume me now. If I, am, if I have to do I'll something and I'm nervous, what would reassure me, interesting for me, is I, I can picture a certain person standing right next to me telling me, you'll do great. And with that person over there, I feel protected. What would give you that emotion that you can just be relaxed? Um, and just be at ease, that there's no need. You could down for the Ahmed and that person's right, or whatever it is for you, and with that, it's just smooth sailing. 
I guess the same thing like you said. Like, even if a girl would tell me, oh, what are you talking about? You were nervous? Like, I didn't think you are nervous at all. You did great, you know? Fantastic. So I'd like you to imagine, Elder, on every date, the girls just say, it was fantastic. It was easy. Wow. It was smooth. Yeah, that actually happened. And then after, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So why was I nervous? You know, Good. So I, I would like, like you now to imagine in your mind that at all times you can have someone, whenever you get nervous, just buzzing. Who would you like that to be? A person just buzzing in your ear at all times saying, you did great. You're fantastic. Is there a person? <laughs> Is there one person that would do that, that would give you that emotional feeling, oh, I feel great. I feel comfortable. I don't know. I guess a friend, yeah. Okay, I guess. Could you picture the friend? Make up his name. I don't want to know his real name or anyone. We'll call him Chaim. Yanko. Shmerel. Shmerel. Excellent. I want you to picture Shmerel now, invisible with you on the date, telling you, you're doing great, Mayor. You're fantastic. And then when you go into the Ahmed Mayor, two thumbs up, you're going to do great. And as you're up there saying, wow, it's so smooth, so clear, everything is easy. Tell me how you feel ahead of time when you picture now going on the date or when you picture yourself now. Way more calm. Okay. Now, this is not logical or, this isn't log logical or behavioral therapy. This is more subconscious. This is more the power of the visualization of the feeling part of the brain. And it's a totally different type of therapy than the other ones. And if you would like, what you can do many times is if you practice this several times a day, or what you can also do is for you to be able to do this before a date. Just picture that guy saying, Mayor, you're doing it. You're acing this. Just getting that feeling, and you can find a huge shift just by doing this two, three minutes that we've done it. And saying even like you like eating like you know sometimes I just can't eat and everyone I'm telling you all the guys in the show they all tell me that they can't eat like when you're dating forget about it yes that is normal and that's definitely normal as well to be able to eat and with time it moves on but if it doesn't get easy with time then that's where we need these things so have that thought that when you got to eat or you're relaxed yeah. and you think of a date okay what do I do and you just see that friend that schmerel going mayor that smile that little wink you're doing it you can do it. You know you're great. You know you did fantastic. Just that feeling, and you're going to find that you're going to be able to eat and do everything very well, Mertz Hashem. That's awesome. Thank you, That's, Mayor. the second question. Oh, yes, the second question about therapy. I'm glad I'm inspiring. Therapy is a fantastic, fantastic, wonderful field to get How many years of you know, college and all that? So officially you need a three years or about to, as quick as it takes you to do a bachelor's, which can be about between two and a half years, usually the fastest, to three to three years is average to get a bachelor's. Mm -hmm. Then if you want to go for your master's in social work, which then in New York, New Jersey, you can have your own private practice. You know, basically after you have, after you have your master's, depends on New York, you can't. You need to first be supervised for But whatever it goes, after two years, you're able to already work. So it could be five years. Or if you want to go for your for your psychology degree, which is either a PhD or a PsyD, which is a uh, uh, more a psychology degree with it's just a different training, those are about five years from when you start the program after your three years bachelor's. So what most from guys are doing, and what I did is... You can do it within a from framework, a framework like Toro or whatever. Psychology? Um, psychology is a lot... No, LCSW. LCSW. So there happens to be now a college, which they just opened up which is actually they do it out of Lakewood. I don't know how or why. I don't know the exact details, but it's run through LIU. So you get actually a social work degree through Long Island University. And one of the benefits are they accept yeshiva bachelors. So you even save yourself the three years of masters, of bachelors, and then you're able to go. But I'm not sure of the details. I just know several people that are in the program, 
And there's a lot of from therapists that are being graduated and Baruch Hashem, we need them and they should just continue to grow and to do well. All right. Thank, Thank you, you Mayor, Thank you. for calling in. Let's go ahead and take a question from the Lakewood Scoop where someone's got over there. Question three. Let's go to question three. My husband who was in his 60s has for many years suffered from anger and is impulsive and hyper. He used these talents to help the clout. However, since he is out of a job because of a transplant a few years ago, he has gotten really worse. His outbursts are very, very often and has rage. He's blaming others. He doesn't see the problem. And his doctor said it's a personality issue, not the medication, from after his transplant, which other friends who had undergone transplants reported that, that they don't have these things. Question is, what can I do? How do I say it at ease and calm when he is always angry at the world and can't see it's a problem? Okay. We are discussing one of the hardest problems out there. And that is a person does a person that has unfortunately not faced their issues in this person's in the sixties for over sixty years, let's make the assumption from fifteen, for forty five years, I would ask you that question if a person lives with themselves with a certain negative program for forty five years, year after year, month after we should really do it the other way, second after second, minute after minute, hour after hour day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, how easy do you think it is to work on that? So the method that I'm a big believer in is you get this guy to a therapist and you get the guy to one of the tough therapists out there and this tough therapist sits down with the guy and tells him, listen here, let's start looking at your life. You're not depressed and you're not angry because of so-and-so. You're depressed, you're angry because of your, because of your personality. If this guy denies and saying it's not my personality, in the substance abuse area, there is a word, which of course the word is a common word, but it's called intervention. Intervention, what it's used in the substance abuse area is, you actually have every single family member come down together, they all write a letter, and that person now must face their issue. You've had this for years. Again, something like this must be dealt with with a rub. You need to know what is the mitzvah. If you're being over on the kibbutz of aim, if there are a lot of them involved, it has to be done with the rub. But I have seen interventions done with the Rav's permission, with the Rav saying what can be done, what cannot be done. And from there, you need someone that's not a cuddly, mushly person to this guy. Because someone that's 45 years in denial, there is a complete different type of therapy that we got to do with it. So that has got to be done. And that's really the suggestion that I have. We're going to go a second, take the next question after that. On the Lakewood Scoop is as follows. When I can't keep up, I yell at kids and I traumatize them. How can I control when I have so much on my plate? I choke. One thing I got to tell you, you using the word traumatize, it's time for you to get help now. I am not going to give you any tools. If you're traumatizing your kids and you're yelling and you can't cope, this is the time where you need a therapist. So sometimes when I say try to work it out, different tools, absolutely not. I don't want to go there. You need a therapist. You might even need medication to help you balance. You might need vitamins. You might need the situation might be that dire that you need some help. You might need someone helping you out with the, with the kids. Whatever it is, get help. That is where you got to make the focus on. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. You're able to watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop on yeshivaworld.com and on, of course, the jrootradio.com. So thank you all for listening in. And for your question or comment, the number is 
718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And we are going to go to line one. You're back on Gress. Yes, hello? Hello? Yes. Hi. I was. Um, I have a question about how do you know when your, ch- when your children need help if they have an angry outburst and it leads to violence? At what point do you get the child outside help? Um, I would like you, I think you sound like an intelligent person the way you've asked that question. Clear, structured, and concise. What do you think is the answer to that? Um, I, I mean, I have experience with different age children in my family that get angry, and then it could lead to kicking, you know, kicking doors. And I know children do those kind of things, but um, I don't know at what point you take them somewhere and, and let you know let them deal with it with it as a real problem. That's that's what I'm struggling with, actually. Good. I don't so know. why don't let's let's work this out? How about you help me because every case is different. It's like, I'm going to ask you, when is a kid not feeling well that you should actually take them to the doctor? Some it can be temperature. Some it can be that they have pains for a week and there are no signs of temperature. Some it can be that they're just complaining that throat hurts. So, you know, it is so, you've given such a vast open question that it's impossible to answer that without some more detailed right. information. So, I mean, most of the time if, they, if the child gets upset, it used to be where they would throw and I, let's say, throw a, you know, throw a ball across the room. But then sometimes they'll take anything that's near them. So it could be a, a very heavy, hard object like a stapler. And that could hurt somebody seriously. So and what do you think? Not aiming at a person, how, but how old throw is, it. How old is that person? So the child I'm asking about is 11. Uh, what would you say if a child, if 11-year-old, do, do 11-year-olds understand their action? I mean, they do, yeah. but they also lose, you know, when they get so angry and they lose the concept of reality. Okay. Let me ask you know, a question, and you can choose not to answer because it's going to be very personal. Do you or your husband lose it? Thank God, no. Okay. Then I would recommend that, yes, if this son throws things, either I would recommend that you take a parenting class. I have. I mean, I have a lot of techniques that I've worked on with him. And uh, the truth is, I did seek out therapy. And the reason I'm bringing up the question today is because I was on the waiting list. And over the months that I've been waiting, I saw tremendous improvement in him. So I said to myself, do you go now and open it up? Or is it something that, you know, maybe settled down, but it's going to come up again? And I don't know what the child's going to how the child going to say, oh, I have a problem? Okay. Or is he going to say, um, okay. I've been so great, why are you doing this to me? Okay, so first let's take a step back. When you said you did a parenting class, did you also do one-on-one? Did you also speak to the person one-on-one? Yes, as professional, yes. Excellent. So as a professional, how did they deal with this issue with the behavior? There are tools how to stop a kid from So I have, different, I have different tools to do Good. with them. So why did it not work? Um, why did it not work? It worked with one of my older kids, and like I'm doing, you know, this child, the, my child who's almost 14, it worked with him. Yeah. I worked with him, with him like let's say almost a year and a half. Wait, and does he, he have tremendous improvement? Wait. But the second one, he definitely improved. But I wasn't, maybe I was focusing on the older one more, so yes. I didn't maybe do the tools. Now let's take a step back. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me just get involved. Let me get, let me get a question in. What was okay. the behaviors of your older child, of the 14-year-old, 
Was it a boy Ammo, or a girl? Throwing, throwing things. Okay, now let's stop over here. That's why I asked. But these. for different reasons. One doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Let's stop right here. Yeah. Let's stop right here. Okay, okay. My feeling is your son might need therapy, but that's not the focus. If you've already got two older kids that are throwing things. One older child, yeah. But there were two. You've no, got one, and now this is the second. That's right. It means somewhere there is okay. a behavior that is being taught somewhere, either consciously or subconsciously, of this. When you're upset, you can throw a fit. You can throw things. And could, that you, is, could it be copying, that he was copying his older brother? It definitely can be, but then if you've mastered the level with the older brother, the tools that you have will automatically be subconsciously used to stop it, and then it would have stopped, which is now telling me either, not, not, to, be very, not, like, not to be so direct to you, but like either the tools aren't mastered, means you have the idea, but you weren't able to implement them completely that well, and that's why you're still having the struggle there. Once we master something, it happens naturally. Or you might have an issue where you're afraid of people that are angry, so you might be more gentle and soft, and you're afraid, and you've got that, where you've got to work to be stronger within yourself, not to be afraid of that. Or it can also be that there aren't some of the tools, how to help them, how to build it up, or how to work it out, that they shouldn't even get that angry. But there are tools, it sounds to me more, that's why I asked about the parenting, it sounds to me that this is something, go back to that person that helped you then and work on it now because the tools that parents have, I believe 85, I should say 85% of what you're saying about your son's behavior, if you're able to work on the older one, with Siata Deshmaya, it should be able to get better to this one. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I should go back to the parenting teacher and ask her. Yes, and not ask her schedule six appointments with her one week oh, after. Oh, actually, another. go back to her. Okay. Yes, not not discuss it. This needs practice. This needs work. It might not take more than six weeks. Once a week of six weeks, but just do it. Do the six sessions, and you will should notice it. And and once we have two or three siblings doing a similar behavior, I usually recommend the parents are the ones that should go for the tools, how to get more tools in the toolbox just to deal with this one behavior. So you might be able to get your kids to do homework. You might be able to get your kids how to be wonderfully mannered outside. You might be able to get the kids to have a love for Yiddishkeit. But in one area, we're all humans, and we're allowed to have a weakness that that one area we don't know, and we're allowed to get the tools how to get that. Mm-hmm. So I just took a course about a month and a half ago that OHAL offered, that they, you know, that they had for learning how to deal with trauma. So I've got one certification in trauma, and I wanted to hear the CBT, so, so CBT, trauma-based CBT, and I was there at that course, and it was very informative. So we're allowed to get tools, we're allowed to grow, and I find it important for people to not be embarrassed, not be afraid to get help, and for people to do that. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for that question. We are going to go to, um, okay, let's go to Etty on line five. Etty, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, I have a six-year-old, basically the same thing as the last school just called um, anger. I have a feeling it's more sensory. Why do I say sensory? Because when he was younger, let's say at four years old, when he would lose it, I'd put him in the tub where he can just let it out or I'd hold him down. He could punch it out of me, and then he'd relax, and I saw him relaxing. How do I... Stop it before it stops. Because once he loses it, he's lost. First, how old is your son? Six. Six. And at four years old, who gave you this recommendation that he should be punching you and let it out? Um, I had seen it in the, oh, he had OT, he goes to the gym. 
I had seen him do it there, and I was like, you know what? I had nothing else to do with him, and I saw literally when I would just hold him. I would talk to him, and I would try to soothe him, and I would just hold him, and and he would just, like, sit at me, and he was, like, trying to fight to get out of me, and it was like, blah, 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 and then he just calmed down, and then I would just hold him, and I'd talk to him and tell him, Mommy's here. You know, then I would just tell him, like, well, either we don't behave this way or whatever it was that he was doing, and I was talking to tell him that to, to take him to his bed, he'd come right back out. To take him here, time out, all these things didn't work. Let um, me ask you, when you say all these things didn't work, did you actually have someone guide you how to do that, or you just assumed how to do it? I basically assumed how to That's do it. Right. it was really okay, so let's take over here a step back. Teaching your four-year-old son to punch you, holding him down when he's angry, I am personally very against that. For the mm -hmm. simple reason, what happens when he's 18? Right. That's right, that's why I said he's six years old, and, you know, you're talking about anger. That's right. And um, a toolbox, can someone just give me a tool? Of oh, of course, and I'm the toolbox. I'm looking for a positive way to go about this. Of course, and the toolbox is, please take a parenting course. That uh -huh. is the toolbox. The toolbox, you need about six, seven different tools. And, yes, timeouts do work, sending them to the rooms do work, but you need to know how to do that. So imagine I tell you, Gemara is unbelievable. It sharpens your brain, but you don't even know the language. Gemara is an Aramaic language. It's not just Hebrew. It's not just Lashon Kodesh. And therefore, what you need to realize is you need to learn how to do the steps. Parenting, contrary to what people think, is, oh, just say this, just talk. It's not about just talking. It's about how to talk. And when I train people certain trainings on, in therapy, it's not just about when they use active listening. Oh, I hear you say it's not just repeating words. There's a whole system to it. And with what you're saying about from your son when he's six, but from when he was four, um, those are definitely not the tools to use to hold someone down because what do you do when they get stronger? What do you do when the aggression gets, gets more intense? And usually when you get physical, then the other person gets physical as well. We need to learn other tools that you don't have to be physical at all to have them listen and to have them behave. So all I would say is right now sounds like you only have one tool in the toolbox and in the parenting class, you're going to have five, six, or seven of them. And that's really the goal that I'd like you to have. So I wouldn't even begin to try to describe all that in like... But let me ask you just one more question. Certainly. If there's a gene, I would like to say, of anger... Um... Who doesn't have that gene? <laughs> I, know every, I know every human being, if you push the buttons the right places, and if they didn't work on themselves, which means when they got angry, how you work on yourself is when you're angry. Or ahead of time, when I get angry, this is how I'm going to deal with it. And you now get more tools in your toolbox. That mm -hmm. is how you build, that's how you do it. But everyone's got an anger gene. It's a normal emotion in the body. Everyone's got sadness. Just as much as everyone's got happy, everyone's got yeah. excitement, and everyone has got calm. These are human emotions that every single one of us has. Now, you mm -hmm. can tell me that there are four generations back that no one has worked on their anger, and therefore you only have one tool how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes, when there are generational issues, emotional issues, most of the time you'll find that the family does not have the tools for it. And when they get the tools, it's amazing how many times generational issues can change. So to give you an example, there can be a family where there's a heart condition, where parents were, were nifter and grandparents were nifter young from heart attack. Does not mean that this person should now go ahead and buy the caver and assume, okay, so I'll die at 50 years old because that's when my father or mother or grandfather died. No. What that means is today's days that you're more prone to that. Make sure you're on a diet that is conducive to have a healthy heart. Make sure you're exercising. Keep the weight down. And then you see, of course, Hakol Bidei Shemayim, but the Rabbani Shalom gives you years. These people are now living till 70, 80, and 90 years old, even though there's a heart condition. So your son 
might come from a gene genetic generational pattern of expressing anger through physical, uh, through physical patterns. However, if you're aware of it, and if you get more tools in your toolbox, which is, let's say, the exercising that the person will mm -hmm. do if they have a heart situation, watch the cholesterol, make sure that they're watching their weight, you find that now you took care of it. So that's my recommendation to you, to really take some parenting co courses and to develop and to build your toolbox for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll try. Thanks a lot, and Thank good you. luck. Hatzlacha, and enjoy well, your son. Can I thank you, we will. Yes. Okay. Uh, Let's go. Uh, let's go to the Lakewood scoop, and let's go take over here a, a question from that. And we've got a couple of minutes left to the program over here. Um, my precious four-year-old daughter often corrects. My four-year-old daughter often corrects others. She tells her younger sisters how to say words correctly. She corrects her teacher when she when she switches or misses words in a song. She corrects her other kids in the school how to do a project. The teacher is slightly concerned about this. What would be the best way to intervene without shooting down her self-confidence? Are there any age-appropriate books that can help her? Okay, um, let's first start with a question. First of all, as you said, it's very age-appropriate. There are kids that have natural confidences, and the Rebbein has given them a brain of mind that is very focused on detail. So they're not correcting because they're farbissen. They're not correcting because they're bad. They're not correcting because they're not good. They're just correcting because they are having a, they're very detail-oriented, and that's the way their mind sees things. What we want to be able to teach our kid is to explain to our four-year-old kid to start, since they notice details, we want to start teaching them to notice the positive details. So tell them, look in this book, what's the problem over here? They'll go, okay, the page is a little ripped. Now tell me, what is, some, sorry, that's a negative. Tell me a positive in the book now. Oh, the book also has beautiful colors, or I like the book. Great. So the problem is the rip, and the positive is the colors. And then you start practicing with them more and more. Tell me what else you like from the book. I don't know. And then you can start offering. Do you like the animals on the book? Do you like when mommy reads it to you? Start saying thank you. A second point is to start practicing saying thank you. Start noticing what, what you like. Do you like the way mommy gave the tones when she did the sounds of the voices? you like the supper? You want to start focusing on the positive. I find children are very, very, very much behavioral. It means we train them. So again, my question, had you been on the air, would have been, are you or your husband critical person? Do you guys notice the mistakes? Are you busy saying, my kid is doing this and this from 10 points. You cleaned up the room. Yeah, but you know what? You didn't do this toy you didn't put nicely away and the other toy you didn't put away on the correct way. So that's what's very important for us to focus and to start shifting to the positive and start training her to notice the positive and to start verbalizing that positive. We're going to go to Sarah. Sarah, online three, you're on the air with Mordechai. And for those of you tuning in, we got a couple minutes left to our program. You're on the air with Mordechai Weimarger. Let's grow together. And of course, the JRoot Radio. You can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop on Yeshiva World and on, um, of course, the JRootRadio.com. Sarah, for those of you that would still want to call in, maybe we'll have time to take your question, depending the number is. Maybe we'll take one more question after the ones we have online. is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Sarah, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Um, I don't know if you recognize my voice. I don't. Um, not yet. <laughs> okay. The question about anger. So it comes and goes, and right now... It's very calm, but when it comes up, then I get, like, very angry at a certain person for doing something completely out of her scope, what she was not supposed to do. Okay, you've given it away. I know who you are now. 
Okay, so now, let's go ahead and address it. The issue is that you're angry at someone that, let's say, has done something that they should not have done, and you're not able to move on, correct? Right. Now, one of the steps, as we mentioned in the beginning, why people are angry, it's when they don't feel safe. Well, let me ask you, what would make you feel safe in this situation about what that person did to you? Would you want to verbalize to them something? Would you want to write them a letter? Would you have liked it to have been prevented in advance? What would you have liked to make you first feel safe? Um, I would have wanted to prevent it. Right now, I would love to speak to her. I just don't think it's going to help anything. No, let's, don't, let's know. First, what would subside the anger? What is the emotion saying? What would you like to do that if that happens, then you would feel calm? Would it be hurting that person? Would it be making sure that person doesn't have a business? Would it be that that person says, I'm sorry? Would it be, what would you want that would ease the anger that you're feeling, that you're having? Logically? Um, logically first, yes. Well, all well, not logical things is hurting the person and making her pay back for what she did. Okay, well, what would you want her to pay back? Would you want her to pay back money? Would you want her to pay back years? Would you want her to pay back? What would you want her to pay back? Um, money. Okay. Um, years and relationships. Okay. What would happen, because this is a huge step in therapy, if you would call up that person and say, I need to speak to you a couple of minutes, and you have your whole list written down and you verbalize it, just verbalizing it. What would you is think? that person? Of, yes. Um, I think she'll turn tables. How will they turn the tables? What will they say? Now, let's um, stop there. Now you realize the anger, by the way. The anger is that you're not safe to express your feelings, to get your view heard, and therefore what happens is when you don't feel you can have it, there comes an anger. Now what would happen if, let's say, you would go and speak to this person with someone there with you to encourage you and to help you turn the tables right back to them? How would you feel then? Better. Excellent. Now when you say better, what percentage do you feel that anger would, would go down? Would it go down 10%? Would it go down 60%? 80%? What percentage do you feel would it lessen? Not so much because honestly I don't think anything, nothing she does is going to really help it because lost, lost time is lost time. Then, then in therapy I would still help you dig dip deeper if you would have been a client. By the way, for those of you listening, I say I know the person, this person is actually not a client of mine. But in therapy, that means only one point is that they haven't, let's say, done or the money or what you've said. There's another bigger issue that you're angry at. What are you still angry at? Let's take it a step deeper. There must be something else. And if, if that person would apologize or own up to it, then 80% will go away. What else happened with that person that you're still so angry that you're not letting go? Hello? I think we got disconnected. All right, let's go to... We got three minutes left. Let's take, you know, we're not going to take another caller. We're going to, because of time-wise, let's go to the Lakewood Scoop. And unless Sarah comes back, Sarah, come back. We'll take your, I'll finish your question. But other than that, um, we're going to go ahead and read something from the Lakewood Scoop. Um, go ahead. Let's go take a, a good friend of the family member went old. I see, pic, I see pictures of her happiness and I'm jealous. I don't get this. I have thoughts of to follow her and at that point I don't know let's go let's go to the next one let's go to 8 let's say further down okay um, okay let's go back let's go to question 2 and then I'm going to explain number 8 question 2 was a lady is saying that she has a kid that's in playgroup and started squinting and the motor said that it might be pandas what is it she's not able to get enough information about pandas 
Pandas is a, actually it is a medical condition. I don't know I was saying many doctors don't because you can actually screen for it on the blood test. So I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know details, but I do know medical doctors know about it, and I do know medical doctors can even check for it in the blood work. And pandas is something, what happens is that when we, if someone has strep, a strep throat too many times, what they found is that it can leave an emotional impression. It means the person can be anxious, person can develop tics, person can actually act very, very weird. And what happens is they actually have medication for that, which means you take uh, whichever medication they give, but you take it for, I am assuming now, I don't remember in details, but about four weeks of that medication that you take. So pandas, as far as I know, is a medical condition. You can't see it in the blood. That's how you recognize. Now, when kids are squinting, please, let's not jump right away to pandas. Where do you get there? First question is you check the vision. Second thing, you start finding out why they're squinting. Maybe they think it's a game. Maybe they have a brother that squints. Maybe they have parents that squint. There are so many other steps where you run to before you jump to pandas. So I wouldn't really jump to pandas. And I would really say look at other stuff first. Um, we've got 30 seconds to go. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. All those callers for called in and appreciate the topic and the question and people that were open. Thank you all and looking forward to spending time with you next week. Your host, Mordechai Weimerger, LCSW. I'd like to thank the Lakewood School for hosting. I'd like to thank Yeshiva World. But most of all, I'd like to thank the J-Root for hosting me, hosting this program and for hosting the J-Root Radio. And Aaron, of course, our wonderful, amazing technician for doing this wonderful, fantastic job preparing everything and the way we do everything. Thank you all. I'm looking forward to speaking to you next week.